morning. Welcome to Faith this morning. Well, it's a new month, the month of August, and we have a new uh, preaching uh, a series. On, on, in July, we looked at the disciples' prayer. Now we're looking at the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer. The, 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 some call it the high priestly prayer. The prayer that Jesus Christ uh, uh, gave to his father, his engagement with his father, um, the night before he died for our sins. We'll be looking at that this month, uh, this great passage, and uh, today we'll look at the first five verses, and the title is The Glory of Jesus, The Glory of Jesus. Uh, we often hear the phrase, glory to God, or to God be the glory. We've talked a lot about glory today. We've sung some songs about glory, and that's good. There's lots of songs about glory. In worship today, I was thinking about the song, um, uh, Because of Who You Are, I Give You Glory. There's so many words. The word glory is all over uh, uh, the scriptures and all over our hymn books, and it's even all over our world. I was thinking about a couple places in our world. There's a movie called, old movie called Glory. Glory. It's about the Civil War and the African-American troops from Massachusetts there. Um, there's a great song by Bruce Sting, Springsteen, the boss, called Glory Days. You're all humming it now, I know, you know, Glory Days. And if you like me, like food, there's Glory Days Grill. We can't forget Glory Days Grill now, can we? Come on, Glory Days Grill. Glory is an interesting word. It's an interesting word. In our text today, we're going to, going to see several times the idea of glory or glorifying or giving glory. And we're going to, we're going to dive into what that's all about. Because it's a word that we use a lot, but it's an interesting word. Um, the text is John 17, 1 to 5. It's the upper room. It's the last supper uh, episode where Jesus, the, the, the supper is over, and Jesus is somewhere probably between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus began to pray to the Father. He's talking about his departure, which is the very next day, and he's urging them in that upper room to love one another, love one another, serve each other. He washed their feet reminding them that he will be with them in this mysterious transition time in some invisible way, warning them that the world will be hostile to them, but they must persevere and continue to be faithful even when he, as he is going to leave them. Uh, John 17, verses 1 to 5. It's on the screen here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorifying me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The first part of Jesus' prayer. May God bless that portion to our hearing today. You know, God's glory, his glory is seen and it's expressed most clearly through Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen and expressed and understood most clearly through Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm very thankful to Dr. Tony Evans, who's talked and preached a lot on the subject of glory, because we don't hear a lot of people talking about what this concept's about. Evan, Tony says that God is invisible, and the Bible says that no man can, has seen God at any time. And the word glory describes God's invisible attributes, his qualities that are made visible to us. His invisible attributes that are made visible to us. 
The air is thick with his, with his presence. He is everywhere, but our eyes can't see him. So he must make himself visible. And that process is revealed to us as God's glory manifesting himself. The word glory comes from the root word meaning weight or heavy. Now, when I first heard that, I said, you know, that doesn't help me much. <laughs> weight, heavy. Evan says that when God is called glorious, it's a reference to him being the weightiest, the heaviest, deepest being in the universe. If you're my age, you remember back in the, 50s, the 60s and 70s, the word heavy was used in slang a lot. Someone would say something that was really amazing and deep and profound. You'd say, man, that is heavy. Remember that? Some of y'all remember me. All right, that's heavy, dude. In fact, there was a song called, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. He ain't heavy. In other words, heavy. He, he's not incredible, awesome, just an incredible, awesome, amazing person. He's my brother. Heavy. Awesome. Glorious. In Isaiah chapter 6, holy, 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 your whole earth is full of his glory. His glory is the manifestation, the display of his holiness, the, the radiance, the brilliance, the, the Shekinah, the scriptures talk about, the, the unfiltered, blinding light that reflects God's absolute purity. Today we're going to look at the Father's glory, the Son's glory, and then our glory. What does glory have to do with us? First, the Father's glory. It'll drop down to verse 5. Well, let's talk, Father's glory in verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your, your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The, the glory of the Father, the, the Father's glory, Father, Son, and Spirit. The glory of God. You know, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. God is a glorious creator. The sky, it says, proclaims his handiwork. It says in Psalm 19, in verse 6, uh, about the sun, its rising is from the end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. God, day by day, God declares his glory, it says in verse 2 of Psalm 19. Day by day, every day, God reminds us of his glory by, when the sun comes up. That's what Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 are saying. That the glory of God is seen in the skies, the heavens are shouting it. They're declaring it. Problem is, we don't hear it, do we? We, we, we get used to it. We don't, we don't really hear what's being said. But God is the creator of this vast universe, and it is a glorious universe, and it points to a glorious creator. God doesn't say it verbally to mankind, but he says it. He says it loud each morning. Psalm 113, 3 to 4, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. His glory above the heavens. <clears throat> the Father, full of glory. You no, know, the, the, the Gospel of John begins with, the, with, with uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the word, the word was God. Remember how John's, chapter, John's Gospel begins? The Word was with God. He, this Word, this Logos, this one who communicates what God is like to us, this Logos, Word, was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And 
the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this, this glory of God, this light of God, because God is light, 1 John chapter 1, was there from the beginning, because there wasn't a beginning, because he was, he's, he's eternal. Our Father, the Father's glory. It's an eternal glory. See, unlike glorious human beings, and people have a certain measure of glory, who grow into perfection and awesomeness, God didn't have to grow into becoming glorious. Think about it. Before there was a beginning, there was God, and he was glorious and holy and pure in eternity past, and he will always be in eternity future. It's amazing. Think of a great singer like Beyonce. She sings a piece perfectly. <laughs> and now, 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 she may have been born with the raw material, but that, that skill had to be honed. It had to be, be, be improved until she came to the peak performance that she can do now. Many hours of practice and preparation and, and failure and trying again for the umpteenth time to get it right. And now her perfect voice is nothing less than glorious, isn't it? But God never falls short of glory and never has because he is the essence of glory and he's eternally glorious. He always has been. He always will be. It, it's, it's, a, it's a glory that is in himself. It's an intrinsic glory. It's not derived from outside of him. It's not God trying to be something that he's not. He always, it is him. He is intrinsically in himself glorious. And it's a comprehensive glory. It's not just like that, that one aspect of God is glorious, but there's other aspects that aren't. See, human glory, human people who are glorious, who can excel in, in, in an amazing way, and humans can do that. They don't excel in an amazing way in all areas. <laughs> but God is comprehensive in his glory, awesome in all of his qualities all at once. Human glory is not comprehensive. For example, great athletes were often spoken of in terms of their glory. Why? Because they rose up above the others and excelled. They, 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 they showed themselves to be the cream of the crop. Did you see uh, Gray Lewis last night at the Hall of Fame in his, in, in, in his speech? I, I, it was on. I was kind of listening to it, and, and, and I perked up when I heard him use the word glory a couple times. You hear that? Hmm. Ray Lewis says that God humbled me in my moments of glory. There's a lot behind that in his life. He said the time, glory, the time with, with the focus, the spotlight was on him due to his excellence on the field. Yet God humbled him. You need to know that man can excel in one aspect of life but fall short in another, in many others, because we're human beings. I don't want to forget... Um, when I was in seminary um, at Trinity in Chicago, uh, Trinity Divinity School, on the same campus as Trinity College, Trinity, uh, uh, college the, the undergraduate school. And they had just hired um, Leslie Frazier, who was a Chicago Bear star, and, and he was the, the head coach. And, of course, M Mike Singletary was, a, was an all, is an all-pro Hall of Fame guy now. And he was, uh, he was I guess he was discipling him because they, they're both believers. And so... I remember one day playing ball, playing hoops on campus, and, and the game was over, and I just hung around and shot the ball a little bit, and, and, and Mike Singletary walks in. I said, I said this, he, he's about this tall. I said, that's Mike Singletary. <laughs> and, uh, and he was on the other court playing ball, and what, the thing that amazed me was how in basketball, he ain't got no game. 
he couldn't hit a layup. And I said, I, 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 I said here he is, an all-pro, amazing football player who, 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 doesn't, who doesn't have the coordination to, to hit a layup. And it, it just it reminded me that, that we can excel in power and strength, but be weak in agility. God's not, God excels in all aspects of his being. That's the awesome God in whom we serve. That's our Father. Now, the, the glory of the Son. The glory of the Son. And the Son is equal to the Father. John 5, 18, where in, the, in that Sabbath controversy, it says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, to kill Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Again, he was in the beginning with God. The Word was God. Jesus Christ. He has a glory in himself, an inherent glory. Now, in John, first chapter of John, it says, This Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We beheld his glory. The glory is of this only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he's the unique only Son of the Father. Unique in his glory, unique in his, in his brilliance, in his radiance, in his glory. He's the God, Jesus Christ is the incarnate God-man. He's incarnate, he's come down from heaven, and he's fully God and fully man. That's a mystery, a profound mystery. But 1 Timothy, Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 about the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, will display at, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Unapproachable light. There's an unapproachableness to, to holiness, to, to the glory, to the brilliance that we're talking about. There's an unapproachableness the Old Testament talks a lot about that. In Matthew chapter 17 and in Mark chapter 9 is the, the transfiguration of Jesus. When he goes up on a mountain with several of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and something began to happen to Jesus there because he, he wanted them to see some things. And then there were two other figures that came on the scene out of the blue, uh, Elijah and Moses. And then Jesus, it says in Matthew that Jesus' face was like the sun. And his clothes were white as light. He was transformed, transfigured into heavenly glory, heavenly radiance, like the sun. And you remember that passage where, where, where Peter didn't know what to say. He said something stupid <laughs> because that's what, that's what Peter would do. <laughs> but they saw, they, they, what, what happened? They got a glimpse of Jesus in his glory. Amazing. And it's also amazing that, that Moses is one of those who, who was there because you remember in Exodus chapter 33, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. He wanted to see the face of God. He wanted to see the shiny, brilliant face of God. Remember that passage? Exodus 33. And, 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 and God says, look, I'll show you myself, but I got to hide your eyes and you can just see my back. Because if you see me unfiltered, unveiled, you will die. That's what we're talking about here, folks. The awesome glory of God. When you're a kid, they tell you, don't stare at the sun. Remember that? <laughs> don't look at the sun for too long. Why? Because you, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. 
the sun, and it's 90, what, 93 million, it's a million or billion, 93 million miles away, the sun, and yet you can't look at it for very long. It'll destroy your eyes. That's what we're talking about. Jesus also had, had, had what I would call a missional glory. And that's really what we're focusing, focusing in this John 17 prayer, because he had a mission. His mission was, to, was, was going to be manifested and displayed he was going to be glorified. Uh, one commentator, Tenney, says this. <clears throat> when Mary spoke to him at Cana, in, in John chapter 2, uh, the wedding of Cana, evidently suggesting that he should intervene in a tense social situation by manifesting his power. That's, that's when they needed some wine at the wedding, okay? He informed her that his time had not yet come. He did not present himself as the Messiah, for though he did perform a miracle, few knew what had taken place, or who was responsible for the new supply of wine. When his brothers urged him to go to Jerusalem to gain publicity for himself, he refused to do so because the right time has not yet come. Chapter 7, verse 8 of John. Twice in the prolonged controversy with his enemies, Jesus escaped death because his time had not yet come. But now, he acknowledges that the time of crisis has arrived. It's come. And, and this announcement enhances the significance of the prayer because it becomes Jesus' evaluation of the purpose of his life, death, resurrection, and his ascension. And so we heard in the scripture reading, John 12, 27, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify yourself. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. We can't forget about the future glory of Jesus, though. The future glory of Jesus. Mark 8 says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus Christ is coming again in glory. And the, few, his, his, the fullness of his glory will become manifested. Philippians chapter 2 says, Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what about us? What about us? What about our glory? Look at verse 3. I want to look at verse 3. This is eternal life, that you, that, that they may, that they know you, Jesus talked to the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What's this, what does that have to do with us? See, God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And a trinity implies relationship, doesn't it? Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're amazingly invited into the existing eternal relationship of the triune God. That's an amazing fact when you think about it. And knowing God, knowing Him is, is about personal relationship. It's, it's having a relationship with Him. It's not about cognitive information, knowledge. It's about heart knowledge, heart relationship. And our goal is to live life to the glory of God, a life that will glorify Him. The shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession begins that the man's chief end, his main purpose, his prime objective is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify something is, is an interesting concept. To glorify. Pat, Pastor George McDiarmid says, to glorify is to magnify someone, to honor someone, to, to show them off, to make much of them. To show how great someone is, is to glorify them. P.M. Smith talks about uh, 
a spotlight shining on something or someone. To glorify God, Pastor McDermott says, to glorify God is to make much of God, of his truth, of his person, of his perfections, his authority, his salvation. It's to put on display, play, display by the way you live, his worth, his sufficiency, his perfections, as final and ultimate. The way you live says something about your God that you claim to know. He says to glorify him is to broaden or enlarge the understanding of him in the eyes of people. But it's not actually to enlarge him. We cannot make God larger than he is. Think about it. When we say, I magnify the Lord, magnify is to make something larger, right? Really, you aren't doing that. <laughs> what you're doing is you're magnifying him in the eyes of others. That they see him for who he is in his fullness and in his greatness and in his glory. We're called to, to, to reflect God's glory to a lost world. It's a great passage. If you have, want to look at a passage, look at chapters 3 and 4 of the book of 2 Corinthians. There's a lot there about the glory of God, about our face. There's a veil over our eyes, over our understanding until we come to Christ. And, and, he, and, and so Paul says, uh, we proclaim what, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord for ourselves and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, God gives glory into our hearts, and that glory is reflected to the world, a lost world that needs to know Jesus Christ. God has given us a measure, think of it, a measure of his glory. It's interesting, when you think about um, the moon, the moon and the, 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 that kind of lightens up the sky at night. The scientists say the moon doesn't really have any light. That the moon is reflecting the light from the sun. Now, I'm not a scientist, but that's awesome to me. That thing there doesn't have light. It's just reflecting the light of the sun. You know, that's true of us in Christ, isn't it? <laughs> the light that we have is just a reflection of the light of the sun, the S-O-N, who shines in our hearts. And so the mandate for us as believers is what Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. How do we do that? How do we glorify God? A couple of things. We, we glorify God by, by, by confessing with one voice our faith in him with a unified orthodoxy. Romans 15, verses 5 to 6. Very, very public thing here. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one voice glorifying him. Speaking the same thing. A unified belief in our God. God wants us to be united in, in how we understand these things. So we have creeds. Creeds do that. Creeds focus on what the basics are. The, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, reciting those things together and believing those things together, it, it unites us. We speak the same thing. Powerful statements. Another way we glorify him is, is by our commitment to, to living a, a life that is morally pure. Now, where did I get that from? First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 there's a great verse that's ending a paragraph that says this. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And we see that verse and we say, yes, 
We glorify God with our body. And the verse before that says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So glorify God with your body. And many people talk about the fact that, uh, yes, our body is a temple. Our body is a temple. We need to take care of our body. We need to sleep well. We need to eat well. We need to recreate well. Yes, our, we need to take care of our bodies. That's all good and true. But they forget the most important thing that Paul's talking about in the passage. <laughs> when he's talking about um, your body being a temple, glorify God in your body, he's talking about who you're sleeping with. That's the passage. And, and, and we live a life according to God's standards in the scriptures, Ephesians 5. We walk as children of light. We glorify God with our bodies. So, so, so Paul in, in chapter 6 of Corinthians is, is, is trying to be very pastoral, but saying, you know, you, 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 Corinth, Corinthians, y'all, y'all a mess. You know, you got people sleeping uh, with prostitutes. You got people, you got incest in your body. You're a mess. That's what, that's what he's going at. Glorify God with your bodies. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Glorify God. And I would suggest that uh, we need to, to take heed of that because he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. And we can be healthy and rested and run a marathon, but are we really applying what he says in this text if we're not living according to what God has asked us to do in the Scriptures? No, a third way is, is uh, glorifying God. I think of Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And let's talk about observable public good deeds. Things that people can see that are blessing the world. We glorify God as God's people when, when, we, when we do that. When we, when we as, as God's people make it a commitment to feed the hungry, to visit those who are in prison. It's the things that it says in Matthew 25. Living to God's glory. Now, knowing, knowing God through Jesus, here's a few applications real quick. Knowing God through Jesus is foundational. Knowing God. The word know in the scriptures doesn't, is not just head knowledge, it's relational knowledge. It says in, 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 in Genesis that Adam knew Eve and they had a kid. The knowing there is not just head knowledge, it's relational knowledge. Script the word know in scripture. And, and, and knowing God through Jesus Christ is foundational. It's about relationships. Glorify God by knowing him. A, a healthy relationship requires speaking and listening. A healthy relationship requires speaking and listening. So speak to God and listen to God. Speak to God. Pray. Talk to God. And listen. There's the, 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 the simple reflective listening, but where does God speak? God speaks in his word. Read the word of God. Jeremiah 9 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. He understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And these things I delight, declares the Lord. Because I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice. The other thing, and, and, and I didn't talk about this much in the passage, but don't forget the role of the Holy Spirit as we do these things, as we seek to, to know God, as we seek to, to talk to him and listen to him. Don't forget the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting, this passage... We, we, Jesus, the Son, is talking to the Father. 
And there's nothing in this text here about the Spirit of God. But the context, the previous chapters from chapter 13 to 16, there's much that Jesus instructs them that the Spirit of God was going to be their helper, was going to come alongside them in his absence. And we need to take heed to that too, that, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each has a role in this thing of knowing him and glorifying him. Allow me to end with, with a very weak but poor analogy that might help you a little bit. You, you've been invited to a, 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 a play, a, a play, to opening night of a play. In fact, not only are you invited to the play, you have an in, and an agent gives you a ticket to the meet and greet that happened before the play. Okay? So you go to the meet and greet, and, and there, you, to your amazement, you know, your, your agent, he, he gives you, your, you know, your tickets and says, hey, hey, now we, now we know each other. And he says, hey, see that guy there? He's the author of the play. He's the playwright. He wrote this thing. And you say, wow, that's amazing. And see that guy over there? He's the, he's the, the prime actor. But he's, he's the star of the show. And, and, and he said, yeah. And so he introduced you to, to these people. It's, it's wonderful. So you just meet and greet, and you're meeting all these people. And then the play begins. The play, you know, it's time to go into the, into the theater. And um, you've got your program, and you take your seat. And the, the light is dimmed. And the, 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 the stage goes up. Yeah. And, and um, the spotlight comes on. And the spotlight does not shine on the author who's sitting in the third row. He's enjoying it, but he's, the, the light's not on him. The spotlight is not shining on the agent who gave you the tickets and got you to the meet and greet, though you're very thankful of that. That's not what the spotlight's on. The, 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 the curtain goes up, and the spotlight is on the actor on the stage because he's the primary reason that the thing is going to be a success. And so on the night before Jesus died for our sins, he talks to his father, who's the author of salvation. And, and the Holy Spirit's there, but he's not even on the stage. No one even knows he's there. He's the agent. And in this prayer that we're going to be studying this month, basically Jesus is saying, it's showtime. The hour is now here. And within, I don't know, 12 hours, 18 hours, he's going to say, it is finished. So yes, we, we glorify God, Father, and Spirit, but the scriptures tell us that there's an, an extra shine, that the Spirit points to Jesus and the Father exalts his Son. Because Christian worship isn't just worship of God. Christian worship isn't just worship in the Spirit. It is primarily worship of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who came and died on a cross that we might be saved, Amen. that we might know him. And that's where every month we pause and celebrate the death of our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, your good and your mercy endures forever. 
your mercy is seen by us most brilliantly at the cross. Lord, as we, as we transition to, to the supper, remind us of who you are. It's because of who you are that we can come and worship you today. It's because of what you've done that you can even receive our worship. Lord, we come to you as sinners. We come to you as broken people. And yet, we repent before you and bow before Jesus. And you say, it is well with our souls. How we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for this, this Lord's Supper celebration today. It would be a special time for us as we commune with you in the presence of your people. In Jesus' name. Well, the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. The officers can come forward. This, this supper, it was the Passover supper of, of that year. Jesus transitioned it from just the normal Jewish Passover supper to something that would be perpetual for ages and ages, pointing not just to the lamb uh, 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 of Exodus in, in, in Egypt, but to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, he himself, who was going to die. So he took that, that bread and said, this bread, is, this, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant shed for the remission of sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. Every time you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. So this supper is for, for all those who know Christ, who've repented of their sins, who are seeking to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Just to walk in the light as he is in the light. If, if you're a believer in Christ and you understand the gospel and you're committed to that, to, to, to his word, we encourage you. This is not, even, even if you're not a member of this local church, if you're a member of Christ's church, the body of Christ in good standing in a local church, we invite you to, to partake. But if you are not a member in good standing of a, of a local church or if you uh, 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 don't understand the gospel even, Please, let, the, let these elements bypass you and pray and say, Lord, help me to understand these things more. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Make it plain to me that I will understand and not just understand, believe and know that, that you are my God. We give you a moment now to, to examine yourself. Paul says, examine the one, examine themselves before they partake. Take a few seconds to do that. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, God, should die for me? Eat all this together. God's grace be with us. The blood of the new covenant shed for the remission of our sins. The blood gives us strength from day to day, never loses its power. Drink to God's glory. God's peace be with us. Let's pray. But how we thank you for the power that is in the blood of Christ, built for sinners. We, we, we enter into that. We rest in that. You crucified for us. Nevertheless, we live, but you live in us to reflect your glory to the world. Use this worship service, Lord, to, to, to change our lives, that we might live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close with a singing.